a listener production. Thursday, the 18th of February, 2021, should have been just like any other late summer day in Australia. Hot, humid, bit lazy. Overnight, Melbourne had come out of its third COVID-19 lockdown, so it should have been a moment of hope and cautious optimism. Instead, well, Australians woke up into a different world where we found ourselves at war With Facebook? A bombshell from Facebook announcing it will ban publishers and users in Australia from sharing or reading news articles. The social media giant is unhappy with the federal government's proposed media laws, which would force companies to pay for Aussie content on its sites. Google has already reached agreements with Seven and Nine. G'day, I'm Mark Pesci. The coming next billion seconds are the most important in human history as technology transforms the way we live, work, and share. Social media have been around since the early years of this millennium, but it's only now that it feels like it's really arrived. And now, well, it's taking on the world, starting with Australia. In this episode of The Next Billion Seconds, we take a look at how we got here and the road ahead. about the satanic, pedophilic politicians kidnapping children, drinking their blood, and using all the arms of the deep state to cover up their horrible crimes? Or have you heard about the space lasers that started California's wildfires? Oh wait, you haven't. Well, let me suggest you do your own research. Google around a bit. See what you can find. Trust me. Human beings have always shared conspiracy theories. When we don't know things for sure, our hyperactive imaginations, they tend to fill in the gaps. And when things are looking rough, we're even more likely to do that sort of thing, looking for reasons, looking for hope, looking for enemies in our midst. And from what we can tell, Mad rumors and conspiracies, they swept through the Roman army periodically. And the soldiers might revolt, they might crown their general a new emperor, and then they might march on the capital. Uh, about that. 2,000 years later. Extraordinary scenes out of the U.S. this morning with pro-Trump protesters storming Congress. The Capitol is now in lockdown with guns drawn inside the building and confirmation at least one person has been shot. The Senate and House of Reps have also been evacuated. On the 6th of January 2021, the U.S. Capitol was invaded by a ragtag insurrectionist band intent on stopping the count of the votes of the Electoral College, the last step in the certification of Joe Biden as 46th President of the United States. The whole thing was was horrible. And all of it, every last bit of it, was powered by conspiracy theories. Those conspiracy theories have 
broad roots spread across the more unhinged fantasies of both the far right and the far left of American politics. And again, conspiracy theories are nothing new, not to American politics. In the late 1820s, that's, that's nearly 200 years ago, America experienced the brief, bright growth of something called the Anti-Masonic Party. It was all based on this still unproven story that a man in New York who had threatened to reveal some of the secrets of Freemasonry, that he'd been executed by the Freemasons in order to prevent that. And the press of the day, it went into overdrive. It used the anti-Masonic movement as a wedge between the two dominant political parties. It was America's first third party movement, a movement of outsiders banding together to topple the corrupt, colluding murderous elites. Is all of this beginning to sound a little bit familiar? Take a poorly substantiated event, an event that can be presented in such a way to drive a political agenda, and then amplify it using the media of the day, whipping up emotions, then translate that into political power. This is not a new story. This is an old story. But it's not entirely old. Because where 200 years ago, America had its local newspapers to spread the word. Well, today, we all use Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snap and TikTok and Reddit. Oh, yeah, Reddit. Reddit is the great shining example of a moderate social network because it self-moderates and it tends toward moderate expressions. Sociologists who have studied Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit side by side, they found that Facebook tends to make people more extreme in their views. Twitter tends to leave those views unchanged, while Reddit, bless, Reddit tends to make people more moderate in their views. Why? Because Reddit encourages diversity in the sharing of views and moderation in the expression of that diversity. So people leave Reddit with a better sense of how the other side thinks. That's the theory, at least. But, well, sometimes that theory doesn't hold. And GameStop traders are at it again today. The Reddit group has already managed to push the price of shares in video game retailer GameStop up 1,600%. Comsex Craig James says they've now turned... On the 28th of January, 2021, that's just three weeks after the Capitol insurrection, a subreddit, now that's a community on Reddit organized around a topic, a subreddit known as Wall Street Bets mounted a short squeeze on the shares of a company known as GameStop. And working in concert, these Redditors drove the share price from a bit over $3 to well over $400. In the process, they completely jammed up the markets, the trading firms, and they caught the attention of regulators both in the United States and around the world. It's extraordinary. And it surprised everyone, even though it probably shouldn't have. We should have seen this coming. In a moment, we'll take a look at what the Capitol insurrection, Wall Street bets, and Facebook's war with Australia all have in common. Across these four opening episodes of Series 5, We've been doing something a bit different. We're at the start of a new decade, and it's a decade that will be very different than any decade that preceded it. It's going to be governed by four big trends. We've already looked at three of them. First, 
This decade, all money is going digital, and that will transform everything touched by money. Second, this is the decade when we really get to work on the climate. So it will be a time of transition to new fuels and new tools, plus big projects to remediate what we've done wrong. And third, this is the decade in which China becomes the dominant global power and enters a continuous grinding competition with Australia for regional dominance. But now, now we get to come to the big one, the one that changes everything, the rise of the social networks. Now, we all thought they'd be a big deal, but it wasn't until the beginning of 2021 that we started to understand just how big. Now, I'm a futurist. I make predictions. Predictions are my stock in trade. And until this series, you haven't heard me doing that on this show. I let guests tell their stories. I let stories set the scene. I let you draw your own conclusions. But this time, in Series 5, it's different. It's time for me to make some big calls. And when they've been made, we'll be able to go back to them at the end of this year and next year, the year after, on and on, all the way to the end of the decade. We'll see how much of the future I got right. We'll see where I got it wrong and why. And I'll lay these predictions out clearly. I'll explain my reasoning. We'll look at the forces in play. And once we know what's going to happen, well, we have some agency. We can make some choices. We can watch, and where it suits us, we can lean in, or where it's safer, we can get out of the way. The whole point of this show, the ethic that motivates everything connected to the next billion seconds, it's really simple. We tell you what you need to know so that you can make the best decisions in the weeks and months and years ahead. Weeks and months and years, when social networks go from being something over there in the periphery something we didn't even think about that much, even as we use them more and more and more, to something that's front and center, something that's commanding our attention. So here's the first prediction. Over the next decade, the sorts of extraordinary disruptions we've seen in the capital insurrection, in the GameStop short squeeze, even Facebook's war with Australia— they're going to become more and more and more common. So common that we might not even consider them news. They're just the way things are. And to understand why, we need to ask ourselves how we got here. It all starts with America. So much of American history is bound up with media. The telegraph stitched together a massive continent. The telephone invented in Boston, Massachusetts. Cinema, which became synonymous with Hollywood. Television, invented in part nearly a century ago by Philo Farnsworth, and which becomes the peculiarly American medium of global influence. And then, of course, the Internet, created initially to support military command and control in case of sudden massive nuclear attack, but it flowered into a global capacity for connectivity that then accelerated into hyper-connectivity. In just a handful of years, humanity went from basically never having been connected at all to being connected all the time via the smartphone, a technology that Americans consider wholly American, even if Finnish firm Nokia had gone a long way to inventing most of it, and even though the innovations and supply chains behind smartphones actually belong to the whole world. 
Global connectivity created enormous benefits and carried enormous costs, nowhere more so than in America. America, connected and hyper-connected and continually connected, it fell into its devices. And each generation of devices were designed to be more alluring and more useful than the previous generation. Each app refined by so much surveillance of user behavior that they became harder and harder to resist. And despite their myths, Americans have never really been very much for self-control. So the whole of America stared down into their black mirrors, the whole of Australia too, and what we saw reflected back at us was precisely what we had revealed about ourselves, all of our fears, all of our desires, all of our myths. And these devices and these apps, they amplified all of these. Dr. Genevieve Belknap, a frequent contributor to this series, she uses the term cyber-physical systems to describe things like robotic vacuum cleaners and self-driving cars. They're the sorts of devices that pair computing power and sensors and motors to create something that's at least somewhat intelligent, somewhat responsive, and for those reasons, also sometimes somewhat unpredictable. The internet as a medium created the foundation for something else, hyperconnectivity, social media. And at just about the time everyone got a smartphone that gave them permanent connectivity, America invented a medium that provided permanent connectivity to everyone, everywhere, all the time. And I want us to think of that medium as not just a social network, but as something much more, what I'd like to call a cyber social system. Because this isn't just about smartphones, and it's not just about clever apps. And it's also not just about the people connected with apps on smartphones. Any one of them by themselves is not enough. Any two of them, and you're still not quite there. But when you put all three of them together. That's a whole system connecting everyone to everyone else via an app that's running on a smartphone. That's a cyber social system. And it's a legit new thing. The way a cyber social system connects us simultaneously, ubiquitously, and at scale, billions of people, it makes it really different from mass media like radio or television broadcasting and one-to-one media like the telephone. It's everyone to everyone, all the time, everywhere. But it's not just everyone to everyone, because those apps, they can change the story. They can change the connection. So can the devices. So can the cloud of computers that those apps and smartphones talk to. It's a party, and there are a lot of voices at that party. Now, Some of those voices are cyber. The smartphones, the apps, the cloud... Some of those voices are social. That's you and I and everyone we know. And everyone is trying to get their way, trying to have their voice heard above the din. So it's a full-on argy-bargy. Those stories that we're all telling ourselves about how the world works, about who's on the side of the angels, who's with the devil's party, stories about the past and the future, all our hopes and fears, all of it, has become part of these cyber social systems. All of it has passed through millions of minds, millions of apps, and millions of clouds all of the time. 
And it's meant that people can get a crazy idea about who won an election or who's profiting from a fading stock or what rights a sovereign nation has to protect itself from a foreign monopoly and make that crazy idea a functioning reality for millions of others. And they can do this not in years or even weeks, but in moments. So they can get that idea stuck in there and then keep fanning the flames with more of the same. And soon enough, they won't even have to because millions of others will join in adding their own voices, fanning the flames together, turning a ridiculous idea into received knowledge and changing the story. So it's time to make another prediction. Our relationship to the truth over this decade is going to become even more contested. By the end of this decade, people all over the world will have their own versions of reality down to some very significant details. Because our continuous engagement with these cyber social systems will change us. The closest analogy for what I mean, it looks looks something like religious fanaticism. People who believe things so fervently, they completely reject anything that would contest that belief. They don't even see it. Now, that's a minority condition today. Maybe a percent or two of the global population are in so deep. But in a decade's time, that could be the way most of us are most of the time. Living in our own very specific, very unusual, and very constructed worlds. Inside bubbles amplified and reinforced by these new cyber social systems. And doing all sorts of things that look absolutely crazy to anyone who's not inside that system. Doing these sorts of things all the time so that they're not even news. It's just the way things are. I mean... Just look at the calendar from the start of 2021. You see a pattern emerging. January 6th, the Capitol insurrection. Three weeks later, 28 January, it's the GameStop short squeeze coordinated by Reddit's Wall Street bets. And then three weeks after that, 18 February, Facebook goes to war with Australia. Now, if all goes according to plan, this episode goes to air about three weeks after that. And given the emerging pattern, we can expect something else. Totally unexpected and totally predictable. So there you have it. We've laid out some key predictions for the next decade. A decade when cash goes virtual. A decade when we really do tackle the biggest contributors to climate change. A decade when China becomes the unstoppable geopolitical force beating the immovable American object. A decade when social media plays with our heads all day, every day, until we start to lose the ability to distinguish signal from a rising volume of social noise. Now, It's not all dark, and I don't mean it to sound that way. Every decade has its challenges. Now that we have insight into this decade's challenges, we can start to explore. We can avoid the risks and embrace the opportunities. And we kick that off in our next episode as we start a deeper dive into our theme of the transition and remediation of the climate. It's a four-parter with co-host Sally Dominguez and special correspondent Drew Smith examining whether we are truly at a tipping point with electric vehicles. 
That all begins with the next episode of The Next Billion Seconds. The Next Billion Seconds was written and presented by Mark Pesci, producer Alex Mitchell, and sound production by Darcy Thompson. If you like this show, hit the subscribe button. And if you know someone who might like it too, please share it with them. For more about the topics in this show, visit our website at nextbillionseconds.com. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening. Listener.